Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode. So today we are up to stage seven of near-death experiences. We're going to call stage seven Sensing the Light. So besides these, what we're going to call ethereal light beings, one of the more prominent experiences of near-death encounters is the sensing of the presence of an all-embracing, loving, and warming light, a irradiant brightness that many who have spoken about it have identified it with the creator of all life. It's this very warm, loving, embracing light. Kind of like taking a, a suntan. But in a but imagine the sun kind of that light kind of consuming you and, and warming you and filling you up. According to the Zohar, the soul doesn't leave this plane of life until the soul sees the divine presence. So no soul departs from this world before the, the Shekhinah, as it's called, which is the divine feminine aspect of the glory of the creator before the Shekhinah appears to that person. As a result of the deep longing to reunite the Shekhinah, that feminine aspect of God, the soul gently passes on and moves onward into the light. It's not this jarring experience. It's a very kind of calming experience. And I would say that there's also a gift in that calming kind of transitional experience. Transitions are very difficult. All transitions are difficult. Think about people who fear going on a plane, transitioning from one physical location to another. We're talking about trans um, transitioning from one plane to another, no pun intended. That having that as a gentle passage is so important. Light, again, light being this metaphor, light is employed to capture the imageless, ineffable creator. There's no way to really physically describe 
how God looks. So the best description that we can give to an effable creator is light. Categorically, the inner core and the essence of the creator cannot be qualified or quantified or contextualized. No conventional language, no poetic imagery can do justice to a creator that transcends all definitions. So for a lack of a better metaphor, divine emanation in Kabbalah is referred to as or, as light. In Hebrew, light is or. And in Kabbalistic terms, we call it or ein sof, the endless light, light that has no ends. Universally, light is used, <coughs> excuse me, as the image of enlightenment, as the image of wisdom, as the image of warmth. And seeing a great light has historically been one of the dominant ways human beings entrenched in a dimensionality have described that which is beyond dimension. It's been light that we've chosen to use to describe those things that are beyond dimension. So to those souls who feel at one with the light, the light is welcoming. The light is emanating unconditional love unconditional comfort, but to those souls who feel disconnected from their essence, that light can appear threatening, that light can appear overwhelming, that light can appear blinding. And during our lifetime, we have the ability to define and decide how we react to the light. And that will color our relationship with that light after 120. <clears throat> so that's stage seven. We call sensing the light. Any questions? Uh, Rabbi, I think you might have said it and I missed it. So after our body dies we hope to sense the presence of this light and if we i don't know i'm not sure the word if we're prepared or open to it we will sense this as this loving this is where i'm heading towards but you also you mentioned so if we're not then we're we're fearful of it is that like, it'll, it'll appear threatening. It'll appear overwhelming. It'll appear blinding. Yeah. Okay. And so that's a prep that hopefully we can do living. So when our time comes, we're like, oh, hey, okay, we're going to go there. Yes. And not be afraid. Okay. The, 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 the more we're disconnected from our soul, mm -hmm. the harder that transition is going to be. 
So the more we're disconnected right now while we're... That's right. If we rely on physical things, if if we're collecting physical things, if we're attached to physical things, if we rely on physical things, it's going to be very hard to disattach from the physical world. Okay. Thank you. If we are used to spirituality, connection, if we're used to the ethereal, it's going to be much easier to make that transition. Okay, let's go on to stage eight. Stage eight, I would say, is the one stage that before people even start having this conversation, it's the one stage that people talk about. It seems to be more more prominent. And that is what we're going to call the, 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 the life review. remember this isn't the stages are not linear they're they're fluid at a crucial point often it could be at, at later on in the sequence and sometimes it could be more immediate but at a crucial point whenever that is the the person who is in the process of passing on experiences what we call a total life review. It's this panoramic view of our entire life. Nothing is ever lost. Everything is recorded. I'm going to stop here and give you a caveat. It's not necessarily true that nothing is ever lost. We can erase through teshuva, through changing our ways and following through an action. Remember, the Jewish value is action. Talk is talk, but the Jewish value is action. So by changing our ways in action, we can turn our sins to virtues. By turning our sins to virtues, we erase the past. So nothing is ever lost is not always true. That said, it could be we made that change, which means we will see during this panoramic life review, we will see those things that changed, though they won't affect us the way maybe things that we didn't change affect us. Everything is recorded. Now imagine having this conversation with someone, oh, say 200 years ago. And this is a Kabbalistic idea that has been within our tradition for many thousands of years. But no one understood what this meant. Everything is recorded. Today, when we say this word, we understand exactly what it means. Look at what we're doing right now. We are recording this conversation right now. So we understand recording in a very, very deep, prominent sense that previous generations could only, they, what do you mean it's recorded? The Mishnah says that everything is recorded. 
The Zohar says everything is recorded and people had no idea what that meant. Today, we totally get it. No experience. No impression. No emotion. No thought. No thought. No word. No action ever vanishes completely. Which means even if you do tshuva, erasing, it's like a pencil to a paper. You erase it, but there's still a little residue that remains. All of life is accurately transcribed and will one day be played back to us. Everything is written down. When a soul passes into the next world, all of that soul's life is brought in front of them to be appraised and evaluated. We call this a total life review. Everything resurfaces to consciousness. And there's an individual assessment of each thought, of each feeling, of each action, and how those thoughts, feelings, and actions affected other people. How what you said affected another person. One of the hardest parts about this purgatory is that today, if you have a bad thought, you can change the thought. You don't have to follow through. After a soul leaves this world, thoughts can't be changed. Thoughts can't be stopped. We have no control over that life review. In the life review, everything appears at once. It doesn't appear in sequence. It doesn't appear in progression. The entire picture of life is on display as one image, as one single snapshot. I was thinking about how to understand this in a metaphor of our world, because even from a, a photographic artistic lens, to have our entire life as one snapshot is basically impossible. It is not a really good example, but it's an okay example. And that would be, imagine, imagine a VHS cassette. Remember those guys? Imagine a VHS cassette. When you put it into the VCR, it'll play the movie two hours or however long that movie is. But imagine taking that VHS cassette, opening up the, the four little uh, screws on the, on the side of it and pulling out the film strip inside and then stretching it across the block. You can see every frame at the same time. It's not exactly that, but it's that ability to see every frame at the same time. Speaking of life review, one midrashic source implies that the accompanying angels who travel along with us throughout our life, those angels that we spoke about, um, the angels that we spoke about last week, the ones who will travel along with us throughout our life and bear witness to our behavior, 
Other sources speak of a soul bearing witness to its own evolution. And there are other sources that conclude that it's the limbs of the body that actually testify. The limbs of the body are testifying. Overall, according to our sources, there are five witnesses that testify to the life that one has lived. And they are, number one, our possessions. Our possessions are the first thing that testify to our life. Number two, our accompanying angels. Number three, our limbs. The limbs and the bones of the body. Number four, our soul. The backdrop of our story. And number five, so sorry, the possessions, the accompanying angels, the limbs of the body. Four is the the soul, the backdrop of the story, and number five is the creator. The, the essential point of all of this is that all of our life, which means all of our thoughts, all of our words, all of our actions, all of our, our feelings, all of our, our experiences, they are imprinted into the very psyche of the human being. Either the encoding is in their surrounding aura, like an angelic-like energy that's enveloping us. Remember, we spoke about this <clears throat> called the goof dock. Or the soul itself, or even within our very limbs, which means even within the physical body. Nothing in our life is ever lost in the universe. This is what I would say is the scientific principle of the conservation of energy. And one day, all of life, meaning both energy and matter, will reappear and once again become manifest. All of our memory is received, it is recorded, it is retained in a spiritual Dropbox, so to speak, on a spiritual YouTube. And perhaps the material brain is nothing more than an antenna that beams and transmits our consciousness and our memories into this virtual drive. Everything is registered. The brain then selectively funnels through and allows only the critical information that the brain deems essential for our own existential survival to pass through our conscious mind. But... Once the soul is no longer restricted by the limiting apparatus of the mechanics of the brain, which means once the filtering device of the brain ceases to function and there's no ego identity to secure 
There's no ego identity to uphold. The mind and soul, which now have joined the mind of the creator, they become completely expansive, completely open, and completely transparent. One of the important elements of our life, to use a Jungian term, is to allow our shadow self to become part of the conscious mind. To allow those things that are the authentic parts of ourselves that are hidden to become part of our conscious mind. As the great limiter of the ego, the ego is what limits us during our lifetime. After the soul's transition, the ego has no control. And because of that, there can be a total recall and a unified measure of consciousness in such a clear state. All of life becomes crystallized and we get to observe and remember our entire life. The good and the not good. The good and the opposite. Whether this viewing is a pleasant event or not, it depends on what's on the movie. It depends on what's being shown tonight. And that is the contents of your life. In the course of experiencing a life review, <clears throat> many people have reported appearing in front in front of some kind of uh, board or or judiciary body. Traditionally, in our texts, it's in the Talmud. It's called the Betin Shalmaila, the heavenly tribunal. And once a soul leaves the body, it must look deeply into the proverbial mirror of truth and face its own image. If negativity shows up in that mirror, there's gonna be a process of cleansing there. It's not revenge. It's not payback. It's just an act of kindness. So the soul can re-enter. So the soul can join with its source in Gan Eden, in the Garden of Eden. Revenge is a negative act. Actually, revenge is prohibited by the Torah. So God, the giver of the Torah, the creator of this spiritual principle, and the source of all life, would never take revenge. So it's not revenge. It's just a it's just a a, a, a proverbial mirror. It's it's the shadow self. It's the ability to face our own image, our authenticity, who we really are. So the more we live today in an authentic way, the easier this transition is. Life and what we call the afterlife is not really life and the afterlife. It's life and the continuation of life. They are a seamless whole. What occurs in the afterlife 
is an extension of what has occurred in life. Negativity in this life, whether by omission or by commission, by act or by attitude, disconnects us, you and me, from our inner self. And the effects which are carried over into the next realm of existence do not allow us to have a smooth soul re-engagement or return to our source. The force that holds the soul from soaring upwards, the power that weighs the soul down from surging higher is the gravitational pull of negativity. It's our actions or maybe even our inactions themselves that allow us to soar higher or to sink lower in this life and for sure in the next life. So according to tradition, the process of one's life review follows this pattern. First comes judgment, what we call din, judgment. Then comes cheshbon, accounting. So judgment, then accounting. Though the order seems to be in reverse, typically there's an accounting and then the verdict follows. The wording in our tradition is precise and it's full of both insight and intent. That following the journey through life, we are shown a recording of anonymous life. We are shown it as if we're watching a film. It's amazing how much we can interact with this more than previous generations who didn't understand what being shown a film looked like. Then the soul is asked to pass judgment on this anonymous film. Being as the ego and its attendants internal defense mechanism is fading. The judgment that is dispensed is objectively offered with openness and fairness. The soul doesn't realize that it just saw an image of its own life. So once the judgment is given, the soul is then informed that it was staring at a video at a motion picture that was a story of their very own life. The person themselves is giving their own verdict. We become essentially our own judge. So if we're used to judging, when the most important judgment of all comes, we may judge that anonymous film negatively. We are essentially our own judge. Albeit without knowing that we are also the one on trial. Overall, although the experiences reported are near-death experiences, 
not after-death experiences, and the traditional life review is primarily an after-death occurrence, even still, on the day of a person's passing, they're granted a vision that is otherwise unavailable. They're able to see their entire life pass in front of them. And so even in a near-death experience, a person can get, can get a glimpse of their life in such a simultaneous panorama. And there's a life review both after death and before death. During the moments when a person is moving on from this world into the next, righteous people, and we can talk about what that definition of righteous is a different time, but what the Torah refers to as righteous people are shown the Garden of Eden, Gan Eden, even before they pass on. So they can pass on from this world and move to the next world with peace and tranquility. So that is a good, I would say, a good deep dive into this, what we call the stage eight, which is this panoramic life review. Questions? Anyone? Comments? Rabbi, this last piece of information, is this info we've gotten from people that have experienced near-death experience, this judgment piece, or is this in the Zohar or the, the Talmud? <clears throat> there's, there's so many differences. So yes, we're getting it from NDEs, we are. and we're getting okay. it from many, many sources. If you want, I... Um, if if you if you want me to, I can definitely send you a source sheet of all the sources that I took in order to create that. I, w I would actually love that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it comes from so many different sources. Okay. Uh, I'd like to know where is the transition taking place between uh, those stages and the Gan of Eden, because you mentioned the Gan of Eden. So I'd. So. Where is that transition? It depends on the person. So it depends on the level of righteousness of the person. So okay. every single soul, we do not believe in eternal damnation. Every soul will make it to the Garden of Eden. The question is how long it will take. Okay. How much cleansing that soul will have to go through. Okay. And that cleansing is depends on what that soul has done during their lifetime. Can this clean, yes. yeah, please, yeah. No, please. Can this cleansing cleansing take place in a in a in a in a in a lot of reincarnation? As you just does the soul ring does the soul need to be reincarnated to to do this cleansing or just the, the soul will if the soul didn't complete its mission in this world yeah. because of the choice of the person or the lack of choice of the person. The soul will come back to this world as a reincarnation, but that does nothing to do with the cleansing that the soul okay. needs to do in order to go to the Garden of Eden. Okay, okay, thank you. But there will be mm -hmm. a, a, a cleansing process, and the, that cleansing process will take no longer than one year. The worst, uh -huh. worst person will take a year. Actually, that's the reason why we say the Kaddish, for one who has passed away, the Kaddish is supposed to 
uh, ease the pain of this cleansing process. Okay, very interesting. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> Any other questions? Is this just for Jewish souls or all souls? Uh, there, uh, it's not just for Jewish souls. It's for all souls, though different souls, whether Jewish or not Jewish, will experience it in different ways. And it, it, it's dependent on that soul's life purpose and how much that soul has achieved of their life purpose during their lifetime. So okay. it's not necessarily a differentiation of Jewish and non-Jewish souls. It's more of a differentiation of people who have lived a life's purpose and not lived a life's purpose. Okay, thanks. Um, I've got yeah. some in the chat. I'm still watching one. Um, uh, Let me take a look here. Question one. I don't see. Can you just put in? Yeah, sure. Question one to um, order in the chat, and I'll answer them. Sure. I I have a stupid question or thought. Never a stupid question. What if the soul is truly evil, and you know doesn't really isn't even aware of you know <laughs> I don't know cleansing or. I mean, does that is that uh, so, I mean, everything thought of? But I'm wondering, what about the pure evil? So we're we're, we're talking about the average soul. Just yeah. so that we're talking about the average soul. We can always talk in extremes. I try to stay away from extremes in this class for a lot of reasons. But the average soul is what we're talking about. Someone who's a soul that comes to this world. There are some souls who come to this world to balance out good and evil, and they are from the. <laughs> The three evil clipos, the shalosh klipot hatmeot, and those souls from the shalosh klipot hatmeot, they are completely evil. So they do not, they're, we're not even having a discussion about them. That would be a completely different discussion. They are purposely coming into this world to balance out good and evil so that in this world we have complete free choice. If those evil souls didn't live in this world, then there wouldn't be free choice. I know I, I'm I'm simplifying something that's very complicated. So when you said stupid question, it's definitely not a stupid question. It's a very complicated question. But I tried, I hope I explained that well enough for you in 30 seconds or less. Alana, any other follow-up question on that? Okay, I guess not. Julian, I'm still waiting for all the questions. Uh, I, I can't do it in time because there's more. Most of the information coming in is faster than um, okay. I can type it out, but I, I can read out what I've Yeah, yeah, please. Done me, and and, and that way the buffer. One. Yeah, give yeah, me a question. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so uh, question one is, are you saying we don't have a... Uh, sorry, in the, in the world to come. Uh, sorry, uh, in the rebooted world. I don't know the right term. Um... Are you saying we don't have a brain in then in that then, or that simply the brain is different and transformed? We have we have our true brain, which is not our conscious mind. Our true brain is 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 beyond the conscious mind. The conscious mind filters the truth and the not truth. So during our lifetime, we think that we're so in control, but we're not really in control. 
if we can live with, as uh, the psychologist David Snarsh puts it, a level of differentiation, if we can live with a level of authenticity in our lives, then we get used to the, the conscious and the subconscious being one. But that's a tremendous amount of work through which Kabbalah wants us to live at peace with our conscious and subconscious together. And that is a way to make, since we're talking about the afterlife here, that's a way to make that transition easier. Absolutely. So would we still have some kind of brain in that? Not the brain the way that we know it. Maybe the brain as a metaphor, the way we know it. So this is not a physical based life that we're talking about. It's not. Well, <laughs> we don't live a physical life. We are souls inhabiting bodies. Even in this world, we're not living a physical life. Uh, we are uh, spiritual beings inhabiting a physical world. So we're, we're not talking about the resurrection of the dead world. We're no, not yet. No, no, world. we're not. We're just talking about soul transition, not not resurrection. That's a whole different conversation. Oh, totally oh that's why I couldn't understand the lack of the yeah. brain. Yeah, I, th I thought you still needed a receiver of some kind, but um, oh, antenna, as you've explained. Right. Sorry, um, thank you for clarifying. Um, the question two is, um, ca uh, can't a person remember that they will judge their life by learning that's what happens in this world, as we've just done today, and so remember that and realize that it's their own. Not, not life. enough to learn it; it's to live it. So yes, a person will remember this if they're able to take this information and integrate it and live their life this way. So we don't, our value is not, even though study of Torah, study of, and, and study is a very important thing, and that's learning what we're doing right now, but if it doesn't lead to action, it's not valuable as a Jewish value, because the point of studying is that it should lead us to action. Oh. So our, we will remember it if it led us to action. Oh, that's interesting. Thank you. Um, and and the third one is, um, you said that there's a uh, two moments when life passes, uh, our and life passes before us, uh, before death and after death. What? Why is life shown twice? What's the purpose of it being shown twice? It's not. Tw it's not being shown twice. It's that if during our lifetime, every moment in this life. Everything we do in this life is worth myriads of moments in the world to come. Which means if we can do change, if we can see that, if we can um, resolve conflict, if we can forgive, if we can do all of these wonderful things, everything we do in this lifetime is worth myriads of moments in the life to come. That's why it's not worth it to hold on to things. It's not worth it. Oh, oh, thank you. And the question for, I hadn't quite managed to type, is the, you mentioned that the reincarnation is separate to the, yes. Um, yes. whether the soul has done uh, its mission. Uh, I can't understand how, because uh, the two models, one would have thought they have to coexist with each other. Yeah, the, the reincarnation is only going to happen if the soul didn't achieve its purpose during its lifetime. We won't know that until after the transition and after the cleansing process. 
Ah, uh, 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 so there's still a... Uh, I, I know time's not there's exactly still, the same. But right now, we still have time for Julian to be able to complete his process in this world. So the soul may not... Your soul may not come back into this world because you've completed your mission. But, but, but something equivalent to time... Uh, sorry, there's a sequence of events yes. uh, that still exists in the next world, and the sequence is your your sequence is the same at the same time. I mean, you're we're, we're, oh, we're, using, oh. we're using metaphor, we're using uh, oh, language that 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 makes sense to us. We don't really have the the confines of time and space in the next world. So oh. Yes and no. Oh, so okay, so to rephrase then. Um, as far as we can tell, the soul judges itself and then either it stays or it reincarnates. But because of time being uh, uh, at the same time, uh, what you've just said, sorry, um, it may not be as simple. That's right. You got it. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Fami. Uh, good morning, Rabbi. Uh... Uh, so I was touched by the story like two weeks ago by the two kids who was killed in Jerusalem. Like uh, yes. So and Ilana uh, give it like I mean I like you know whenever you study a subject to there are these like uh, we call them like uh, not extreme cases but uh, the limit cases. So. The mom of the two kids, she said, I don't want revenge. I don't want anything, you know. But me, as like, I still don't understand that because uh, she still have the right to go to courts and ask for the the killer to be to be punished. Yeah, that, that that's not considered revenge. That's, that's ah, I, I still do not understand that. You know, but why, if 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 somebody let's say touch my kid and I and, and I take action myself, that's that's revenge. But if that's, yeah, no justice. We live in a world of, of rules and and consequences. If someone does something, there's going to be consequences to that to to that which they do. So that's not that's not that's not revenge. That's justice. It's very different. But the end game, but the end thing is, let's say like the guy get like uh, capital punishment, but the end game is the same. What's why 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 the court can can do it and me cannot? Um, so you're asking you're asking a very very uh, deep question. I, I I'd love to explore it at some point. Too much for thirty seconds, but yes, I I, I hear what you're saying. So what what Ilana said. What I what, what I will say what I will say is a Jewish court. That would put someone to death twice in 70 years was considered a faulty court. So in, in in Jewish law, it was very, very rare that humans would decide the fate of another human. Very what rare. we do uh, thank you, I understand that, but what do we what Ilana said, what do we do with these evil guys, with evil like, like people are like this? We have to know that evil, we live in a world that is a balance of good and evil. Evil will always exist in our world. In the world here that we know it, evil will exist. We can't, we can't stop evil from existing. We can stop ourselves from being evil. We can stop ourselves from falling into it. And we can stop ourselves from, from, uh, from getting bogged down by it. 
But at the end of the day is, no matter what's going on, you know, people will say, oh, you know, in the beginning of the class, someone was saying they're, they're, they were afraid of going to the tomb of the patriarchs. It was before I started the recording. And I and, and I my my opinion is if God decides it's your time, it doesn't matter where you are. It's your time. Don't be don't be afraid of that. There's no reason to be afraid. If God decides it's a person's time, it's not our choice. If that means that you have fulfilled your purpose and your mission in this world, and Hashem has decided that you don't need to be here anymore. Baruch Hashem. Thank thank God. So it doesn't matter where you are. You could be in your bed. And you can be in a in a in, in the, the tomb of the patriarchs. I would say if I had a choice between my bed and the tomb of the patriarchs, I'd pick the tomb of the patriarchs. Just saying. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions before we go to our uh, our, our nuggets? Yes, please, Cheryl. I want to address Fami's question. Fami. Um... The capital punishment for the crime of those two kids obviously is different. But if the mom holds on to the anger, then, then she's going to be resentful her whole life. You hear all the time about people forgiving murderers. You know, and you go, how could they forgive somebody? Because if you don't forgive them, you can't move on. You don't like the act. I understand that, but you need to forgive and have that forgiveness. I don't know if that helps or not, but I would always think of why. And I don't know that I could either. I think you have to be a certain in a certain place to do that. I I don't know. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just like from from a different background, so it's it's still. I mean, I, I listen to the mom. And I was touched, and I say, if I was in in on in, in her spot, I will go right away and finish him right away. <laughs> well, if I may, if I may, this is a current debate in Israel right now. They are considering adding the death penalty for terrorism acts, and uh, the the Israeli population is against it. So you you are smack on a very current affairs. Yeah, one of the things I love about Israel is you can see true democracy right now with the people's protests and in any place, you know, that, that people have the right to protest, you can see in uh, democracy. I, I was able to attend a protest while I was there just to be with the people. And uh, you don't have to necessarily, there's always different opinions, you don't have to agree with everything to be able to to experience that, you know, that we live in a place, thank God, where we can be democratic and that we can express our our uh, freedoms and our desires. It's a beautiful thing. With that, uh, Alessandra, why don't you start us off today with our, what's your golden nuggets? My golden nuggets, but we've discussed it several times, is really that we need to train ourselves in in this physical experience to to be, to have a kinder eye on on everything and everybody. Um, first of all, it makes our experience of living this life a lot more interesting and positive, I find, because I've, I've been, since we discussed it the first time, I think I believe it was a year and a half ago, I've, I've been checking my thoughts. You know, if I see someone full of tattoos, for instance, my first inclination would be to say, oh my goodness. And then I'm like, what do you know? 
it's not your business. It has nothing to do with you. You you don't need to have an opinion. And if the person is happy, if these tattoos give that person the happiness they need to wake up every morning and, and do their thing, let them be them and be you. That's it, you know, and, and it's an exercise and, and it takes a practice and sometimes you catch yourself falling back into the trap, uh, but it's a wonderful, wonderful exercise and I'm actually teaching it around me. You know, you said that we we absorb lessons more by teaching them. So I'm teaching it to my children and my mother. Sometimes, you know, she makes a comment and I'm like, why do you need to have an opinion on this? <laughs> what is it to you? And and uh, so, yeah, my nugget is I uh, thank you for re-mentioning that. And I feel that I'm on a track, maybe not the right one, but I'm on a track uh, to have, you know, that positive bias that we owe everybody. And actually, the exercise is not to have a positive bias, it's to have no opinion. That's the hardest part. So thank you. That That's my nugget for today. And I will pass it on to Kelsey. Thank you. Um, I think that I too needed that reminder. It's like healing and just becoming better is just a continuum. It's always unveiling new layers. Um, I'm still processing a lot. And then these classes always amaze me because they make so many things just make sense. I don't know if anybody else has that experience, but you really understand. But like just like what I've learned in the past and now I can just say oh like that it just makes so much more sense now um so yeah I'm sorry I, I feel like you know the nuggets get harder and harder because I'm just processing more um Cheryl thanks Kelsey I agree with you by the way we learn so much and then we, you know, we backtrack and we process a lot. So my nugget was from stage seven and the Shekhinah you said was the, it's the feminine version of Hashem. Is that correct, Rabbi? Mm -hmm. Pretty much. And in one of our classes, it might've even been last week. I don't know. I didn't finish the whole recording last week. But you said something about the feminine version having the softer edges. And that why Hashem put Shekhinah before himself to welcome to the afterlife. I don't know why I was just thinking about that. Um, yeah, I think we all want a soft place to fall. And women are usually that. And I don't know, that felt really good. Thank you. One thing that I asked in the in the chat that I didn't get the last word, you said the bet din something or other, the judgment, but I don't the, I didn't catch that last word. The bet din shall myla. Shall myla. myla? The heavenly tribunal. Yeah. Bet din shall myla. Ah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I'm gonna pass to Elana. 
I, um, what always comes back and stays with me is um, the idea of free choice. That we, we always have free choice and also um, that we're our own judge. And I think sometimes we're our harshest judges. We don't have to wait for the baked in. Um, uh, that's definitely my, uh, my takeaway. Where's, uh, I'll pass it to Femi. Thank you. Uh, thank you. So, uh, I was studying like last week some the, the Torah, like with the courses from the Rabbi Sisruk from Tunisia, he passed away. But uh, so he said, like, the, the soul have three godly attributes she can see you, you can see it. The soul is everywhere in the body. You cannot say that the soul is, is here or here, it's everywhere. And 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 uh, and and the other characteristic is it have a light, it have uh, some kind of light attribute. So when somebody dies, we 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 light a candle to help him uh, elevate. And 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 the light is something very. So even to these days, like the light, no one understands what is light. Is it a particle? No. Is it is it is it like a wave? So it's like some this kind of uh, mysterious thing, which up to this day we do not understand. So, uh, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for Ilana and Cheryl. Okay, so I pass to Cheryl. Uh, did you did you have time to talk? Okay, then it will be uh, Julian. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm uh, thinking about two things. One is this concept that reincarnation could actually be synchronous with um, the judgment. So how on earth that is possible has got my mental cogs going without so far satisfaction. So that's one thing that I'm thinking about. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if there's any answer to that. Um, then the second is um, that the whole uh, framework that um, when it was mentioned that nothing is forgotten and it's like software or the words I put to it were like life rebooted. I, I, I don't remember the the actual phrase uh, Rabbi Bernath used, but that I thought that it sounded like that, like a, a reboot because software kind of reboots. Um, so I thought because of that, that we were talking about the, re the recreated physical life after the resurrection of the dead. But the, Rabbi Bernath clarified that this was no, this was about the soul world, the spiritual afterlife that precedes the resurrection of the dead. So I'm still thinking how I re-tune, how I re-word what I thought I'd understood into only a spiritual concept and not a physical one. So um, I might need to re-listen um, re or re-watch to, to do that. So um, beyond those two thoughts, I can't really comment anything because they're taking up all my mental space 
so that that's what's on my mind and uh, I don't know what that tells you um maybe you might consider that there's different um interpretations to things that maybe everything has spiritual consequences and physical consequences so maybe there's some parallels between what happens in the soul world and what happens in the world after the reincarnation sorry resurrection um and maybe there's a uh uh sorry i forgot what i was gonna say sorry it was an off-the-cuff thought um there was some other lesson i thought maybe it would perhaps give but i've forgotten maybe i'll type it in the chat if it comes to me i'm, I'm sorry about that it, 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 it was a, a, a new thought i hadn't had before but it was too small to retain sorry about that um thank you we have um marianne or patricia oh, oh yes yeah, sorry oh goodness um i'm just gonna flick with the arrow so i can uh uh i'm just very curious uh, I don't know if this is rude because I don't think I've heard you speak before. But I was just wondering if I could ask Patricia to speak simply because I, I don't think I've heard her before. So I was just curious. But if, if it's not right to put someone on the spot that hasn't spoken before, then I'm happy to pick um, Marianne instead. But if, if it isn't rude, then I'd, I'd like to um, hear what Patricia's got to say before, if I may. Sure, I don't mind. Uh, the nugget for me was the living authentically in this world. Um, I didn't realize that that was like the key aspect of it and being connected to our inner self is what's going to help us in the afterlife. Um, so that's definitely something actionable to do like today already. <laughs> um, so I really found that, yeah, new information. For, I, never, I never knew that was related. So thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia, and welcome to our uh, to our class. Welcome. Thank you. And, and uh, yeah, it's Marianne. Merci. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, two things. Um, Kaddish, it's very important. Was very important to me uh, that I understood what it is: cleansing of the soul after one year, which is a. Uh, very important. Thank you. And second things, I'm really happy to know that my husband, who is not Jewish, is going to have a ticket to the Gan of Eden too. So, uh, you know, that's a very universal way of thinking. Thank you very much. Have a nice week. You're welcome. And thank you, everyone, for joining today. And uh, God willing, next week, same time, same channel. And since I won't uh, speak to you before them, have a very happy Happy and joyous Purim, which is this Monday night and Tuesday. And I hope that you'll be able to, uh, wherever you are, that you'll be able to enjoy it and be part of it and hear the Megillah, the reading of the Megillah. And since uh, we have so many uh, women or, or those who identify as women in this class, and this, the story of Esther is the one book uh, uh, in the Tanakh that was written by a woman and the story of Esther was uh, was um, the, the the miracle and and everything that happens to the Jewish people was done through a woman. It's a very very special opportunity uh, for those women to be able to experience that uh, that miracle and that joy. So a very happy Purim, and we will see you next week. Happy Purim. Happy Purim. Shabbat Shalom. Bye bye. Bye.
Bye.